0: Discipline and consistency separate the good from the great. Welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now here's your host, three-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Debra Kazowski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show. I'm your host, and I am diving into someone who is local here to me. So it is really cool to talk to someone that is, you know, a few kilometers away and being able to dive into a subject that uh, is near and dear to my heart. And as we talk about on the show It's about living rich from the inside out through principles of life, leadership and business, because I believe that those principles are universal and they can transform where you're at this morning or wherever you are in time zone. But today I am talking to Allie Stone and she has been a partner and a leader in the hospitality industry since 2005. During that time, she was an integral to developing 12 successful businesses and teams. And as a director of culture and leadership development, Ali mastered deep understanding of what it means to truly be connected as a leader and how it drives the success of any business. Now, the, the inspired leader, She has built a business dedicated to transformational practice of bringing humanity back to the heart of business. Allie is an executive coach working toward her master's designation and is an inspiring speaker and skilled workshop facilitator. We are kindred spirits. (laughs) The business operates on two integral arms, the individual arm. Ally partners directly with women entrepreneurs and leaders, empowering them to thrive in their careers and businesses. The corporate arm focuses on organizations where Ali collaborates with mid to senior level leadership teams, cultivating leadership presence, fostering meaningful connections with their people at the, Inspired Leader, we aim to inspire and empower individuals and organizations to achieve their full leadership potential while prioritizing a culture of authenticity and connection. Allie has worked with thousands of leaders from all levels of organizations, and in 2022, she was awarded the Transformational Leadership Award by the Universal Women's Network and recognized by the most inspiring leadership development company by AI International. Ali is also a certified meditation teacher, a heart math resilience mentor, and an ICF certified coach working toward her master's certification. She is active, loves yoga, biking, hiking, and spending time with her two dogs. Welcome, Ali Stone, to the Millionaire Woman Show.
1: Thanks, Deb. I'm so excited to be here. You're right. We're totally kindred spirits. <laughs> I was like, you're like, what do you want to talk about? I'm like, I don't think it matters. <laughs> we're going to have a good conversation regardless. So uh, I think there's so many places we can go today. So I'm
0: just super excited to dive in with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And today, you know, everyone who's listening in to us or watching us on YouTube, one of the things that I said to Allie, why don't we just do the coffee conversation today? Just change things up. You know, she's listened to a few of the episodes of the show. And I think just we're in the month of December, everybody's running directional. And, you know, just having those coffee conversations of kind of being like the bug on the wall with us today, we're really going to dive into, you know, what makes leaders tick, what ticks them off, what is some of the greatest challenges that people have been facing this past year. And for you to even think about your own leadership experience and how you can move into 2024 with strength and conviction. So Ali one of the things I wanted to just have tell everybody a little bit about your background, how you even got into the leadership realm. What were you doing that got you, you know, really interested in this area of work?
1: Yeah, you know, it's been a real journey for me. Um, So, you know, from my background in hospitality and in the restaurants, um, we were with the original Joe's Franchise Group in Northern Alberta. So I'm sure you have been to one or two of those (laughs) restaurants. Um, But when we uh, first partnered with the original Joe's we were really young like 22 23 years old so I mean getting into business like that at that stage was really crazy right it was a wild adventure and in the time uh, you know in that decade of being with Joe's it went from like four locations to like 95 franchise wide which is just insane <laughs> right when you think about the mass expansion and growth and so it became clear really quickly to me that if I didn't find a way to well first of all lead myself and second learn how to help other people be leaders we weren't going to be successful like there was just no question and so um, my experience in working in um like a uh in a store first was was really where it all started because I found myself in charge of a team of 40 people going I don't really know what this means or I don't really know how to do this or bring this together and so I started to get really passionate about leadership there and the first location I ran was the original Joe's and Terwilliger so if somebody local is listening to this you probably know the store um but it was in really there underperforming <laughs> store. Yeah, I, know. I was like, I know that's my hangout. <laughs> yeah. uh, if you live in Edmonton, it might be your hangout. But um, when it first opened, it was super underperforming. So like did not do well at all. Um, that store was looking at a farmer's field. There was no community there. It was wild. And so it was really important to figure out how to transition that store from an underperforming store to, to at least a successful, if not a high performing store. And so the magic key for me that I found was people. It was connecting with people. It was creating team and creating that experience at work. I couldn't necessarily, I'm going to use air quotes, force people to walk through the doors (laughs) when it first opened, uh, but I could create a really amazing experience for the team members and connect them to what they were doing. And once we did that, the people came. And so it was this really beautiful experience. And so we took that store from one of the you know lower performing stores to one of the highest performing stores in the system uh in about seven years, and it still is to this day, which is very cool. Um and then, you know, us as partners sat down and said, okay, well, like how do we replicate this now in 12 stores? <laughs> How do we take this from one store and, and, and make this a thing across the entire organization? So it was at that point that I moved into the role of culture and leadership development and started to kind of reframe my thoughts around, okay, we can do this on an individual store level, but how do we now take all of this learning and make it organizational? And so, yeah, so that's kind of how that all evolved. I mean, there's a lot of little stories in and around that, but it was it was quite the adventure, (laughs) let me tell you, Uh, and really shifting my thinking right through all of those years and continuing to up level the way the way I saw leading, the way I saw business, the way I saw team people, all of that.
0: Yeah, you know, and I find it fascinating. Like when you say you have this individual store, but now how do we replicate it? But the, where you have to zero in on is that leading self, <laughs> framing how you came at it. But how do we take individuals who maybe have not been exposed to professional and personal development and be able to show them that it starts with them? So I would love to see or share you, for you to share how you were able to tap into it, because some people have some level of personal development you know, but I find that maybe as a coach or being a leader in an organization that not everyone has been exposed to that until they've come into an organization that's a learning organization and how to really invite them into this new realm. Yeah.
1: And I I also, you're probably going to nod your head, but I also find there's a lot of resistance at first too, right? So if somebody comes into a learning organization and that's not what they knew. Their immediate response is resistance to that change, right? And so, I definitely felt and navigated through a lot of different circumstances. I mean, obviously, everybody was different, um, but I think for me, uh, my kind of way in or helping people start to learn in. Ooh, let me rearticulate my words there. <laughs> my kind of way of helping people lean into what it might look like to develop. Um, was to start small. So it was to start somewhere like, here's a here's a couple, here's a little workshops on some tactics on how you can lead yourself, how you can show up differently at work, how you can create a better experience for yourself. Because I think when people see, I always say we have to lead ourselves first, but when people start to feel that, it changes everything for them, right? And then they start to get inspired to like share that with other people and help other people have that experience. So um, I see you nodding a little bit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I am. I am. Cause one of the things that comes to my mind is when, you know, there's been a few people that, you know, I think it's because we've been in a conditioned environment where we need permission for so many things. And, you know, I recently talked about it on the most recent podcast and it was, why are we waiting for permission for someone to tell us to lead ourselves yet? when we do move ahead with conviction to say, no, I'm in charge of me, let me make decisions, that it is a game changer when people feel empowered to really be themselves and share their ideas and really grow with an organization. So if you have a scenario or a story you can share, I would love for you to just share an example of someone who's shifted. Because when we when you talk about that resistance, Allie, you know, I I think of there's the early adopters. And they're going to be gung ho, they're going to jump in anytime. And then we have the late adopters, they're like, Oh, what's in it for me, let someone else put their toe in the water first before I, I engage in this, because I'm not so sure, you know, and that's, and it's funny, because they're thinking that they're not trusting the people who are leading them. But actually, I find it's that they don't trust themselves in this scenario. So I'll let you take it from there. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's actually, yeah, I think that's a really good question, because especially if somebody's listening to this and they're a leader and they work with a team and they face this resistance it can be a very real situation that they're facing right now, right? And the development and growth of our people is, it's crucial, it's pivotal to the growth of our organizations and to the success we want to see. Success is built on development for sure. Like I have no... No doubts about that. And so, you know, like, I think there have been a lot of experiences where people have faced that resistance. But I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to share a story about myself (laughs) facing that resistance because we all will face it, too. It's not that leaders won't face it either. Um, And I think I faced a lot of resistance when I first moved out of that individual store level leadership and into the organizational level leadership um, kind of role. And I couldn't shift my thinking, like I couldn't shift my thinking from what it looked like to work with, you know, an individual person to now working with a team and sharing a message that way. And so for me, working through that process, a couple of things happened. Number one was I always had a peer group um, that I could speak to. So when I was facing those challenges, like, oh, uh, I don't know how to do this. I don't like, I can't wrap my mind around what it would look like to speak to a team in this way or to share this message. Cause I know it's powerful, but I can't like articulate it yet. Um, having somebody to talk to was huge for me. So I think if if people are facing resistance talking to other people in an organization, talking to your, your leader, even hopefully you have the safety and trust to do that. But just to say, Hey, like, I'm, I'm struggling with this. And a lot of times it's maybe because we don't know the why, or we don't understand what it looks like in a bigger picture or a bigger sense. And then the other thing for me too, was just continued learning. So, um, moving through those moments of resistance, um, when I really faced them, I always said to myself, okay, there's something I need to learn here. And it was, and I said, it's on me. And so, when we can take responsibility for our own growth and development, like it's great to be in an organization that values learning, right? Like we all love that. But you're not always going to be there. And there's going to be times in your life where you're out doing your own thing. And if you don't value learning and development for yourself and your life, well, then we can get stagnant, right? And so, I always said to myself, well, there's probably a growth edge here. There's probably something I need to learn. I'm not quite getting this right. And so I would just go out and discover, I would take a program on my own. I would read a book. I would listen to your podcast, (laughs) right? Like (laughs) something that just would trigger some thinking for me and help me move through that resistance. I don't know. Do you know who um, Todd Herman is? He's like peak performance athlete guy. So he works with like Olympians and stuff, but he talks about, um, I really liked this theory. He talks about how our brains have this ow response or this wow response to change right Mm -hmm. because either it's like ow I freaking hate this or wow I (laughs) love it and so for me I've always thought in my brain ever since I heard that I'm like okay well I'm gonna have ow sometimes sometimes I'm gonna be like this sucks and I don't want (laughs) to do this yeah but how do I start to shift to wow Right. How do I start to say, oh, this is an adventure, or I'm excited about this, or this is an opportunity for me? And so I think the power in coaching, we both know this, has really helped make those shifts for me. And I think for leaders, if you're working with other people and they're facing resistance, coaching and asking questions that could help them move from a closed mindset to an open mindset could be really
0: powerful as well. It's a game changer (laughs) because, you know, I had a project that I was working on and there was some resistance, you know, they were a late adopter. And one of the things that I was just like, I don't understand, you know, we, we really want to move through this resistance. And I wasn't, didn't know what to do. Cause you know, sometimes that there's some negative talk on the side and it starts trickling into the people who are adopting. And my experience was, um, to really stop, take a step back and really move into a place of curiosity. Like you said, okay, this is an adventure. This is a challenge in front of me. Might feel like an obstacle, but maybe not. And let me have fun with this. Let me get really curious to understand why that person is resisting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was able to shift it and reframe it when I had a conversation with them. And I said, okay, vent, you got two minutes. Just let me have it. And, you know, they were talking about, you know, just historic, historics, whether change will happen and things like that. And, and those are valid, completely valid and really need to validate those people's opinions. But then I said, okay, you're done. Two minutes is up. What's the solution? Because often what happens is when someone's resisting, they also carry the solution. And I might not be able to implement it right away. But I can take it and use it as you know, to create my meal kind of thing, create the meat on the plate, per se, to really dive in and make something great. Mm -hmm. You know, because they're not expressing it in the way of the ideal. So that was my experience with resistance. That's Mm -hmm. I have that one particular story that it's just, it was transforming. And then what I've learned in that experience was some of the toughest people that you work with are your greatest teachers.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so, um, you know, I would love to, you know, you've shared how you move through resistance. You know, one of the things that always reflecting on self, like you said, you know, and being able to have peers that you can talk to about the situation. And that's what helped me as well is when I talk to the peer, they're like, take a different approach. And I'm like, okay, obviously I got to do a shift here. And now when I come up to resistance, I get excited. I never was excited initially. I was just like, Oh, here we go again. You know, (laughs) but it's actually one of our greatest teachers.
1: Yeah. I also think like if we, um, were talking about you know how you help people make that shift like what's the opportunity you can complain for two minutes about what's the opportunity i think that's so important that you pointed out and i just want to hone in on that because if we stay in the complaining, we strengthen that neural pathway, right? And so you're shifting out, like, it's okay to get it out, but like, <laughs> let's shift out of that. Because if we stay yeah. there, we're going to really strengthen that muscle. It's just going to get harder and harder to move out of it for us, right? So I think there's some important, like, I love this part of the conversation because we're just bringing awareness to what happens. And so people can actually think of, I will say, if we become aware yeah we then have a choice. <laughs> right? But if we're unaware, we're just unaware, there's nothing we can do about it. So yeah. starting to understand, I think is super important. So I love I love that you brought that up too.
0: And and you know, the stages of change, you know, when we talk about for Chastas, and I know we're getting a little bit ther- theoretical here for all of you listening, but people cannot move into change until they have the awareness that change needs to happen. So and one of the things as a coach is to recognize that, When people aren't ready, you can't force them to be ready. They have to have their own insights in order to move forward. And, you know, when people want to learn about coaching, we might as well talk a little bit about that, too, since we're having this coffee chat, that coaching isn't for us to tell you what to do. It is really about you having a conversation and we're asking these powerful questions that get your brain to think differently. And I came across something the other day that said, when a question is asked, the mind will start thinking. Mm -hmm. The mind pays attention. And that's how these neural pathways form, you know? So when, when we think about that awareness, that awareness is key because if you're not in a place of being ready to change, you, you can't move. Mm -hmm. The other thing with that desire. So I would love for you, Ali, to talk a little bit about the desire that needs to occur in order for those change changes to happen as well.
1: Yeah, that's that's also a good point. um I think part of that is inspiration, like inspiration in our life, like feeling whether or not we're resisting the change, like living, and this is why I named the company the inspired leader, but like living an inspired life, I know. When I'm in a place where I feel inspired by what's around me, by what I'm learning, by who I'm connecting with, by the conversations I'm having, I look at the world in a different way. And so even if I come up against that resistance, I think that that, um, yeah, just being inspired is such a huge piece of it. Um, I also think there's a piece to, um, how would I describe it? I'm kind of at a loss for words around it, but there's a piece around um. This desire, and it's like, um, I know what I want to say. It's like transformation, right? So we talk about change, we talk about transition. I always actually say transformation is a choice. So we'll experience change, we'll experience transition, and some of us will get stuck in transition, and that's where it's kind of like the owl state, and we don't quite move through it. But to transform is a desire. It's like, it's like a desire to see what's on the other side of this tough place that we're in, knowing and believing. That something is out there for us, something better, some evolution, right, of who we are. And so uh, I love thinking about transformation and maybe transformation and desire kind of tie into a little ball there together, uh, too. I don't know. What are your thoughts around that?
0: Well, you know, the first thing I think about, we often think of the butterfly in the cocoon, Mm -hmm. right, when it comes to transformation. But, you know, when I think about the use of metaphors, I think that there's so many metaphors that can represent transformation and we need to have changes happening all around us all the time. And it's whether you want to get on board or not, and people will look at what's in it for me. And when people see the win-win situation or where they're going to have some benefit, they have to have, like you said, inspired, they need to have that spark within them to say, okay, I get it. This is how I'm a part of something bigger. Hey, I want to be a part of the impact, the significance of this change. But the greatest change that happens is it all starts from self. And when we have all of these individuals having changes within self, an organization can move very powerfully forward into whatever their mission and vision is. Yeah. So Ali, one of the things that I think about when we think about transformation and transition, I think this is a great, great conversation about, you know, people get afraid of transformation, because they feel so unsettled in the transition timing. What do you do to help leaders recognize that transition can be uncomfortable, but it's required for that transformation to take place? And how, how do you help them move through that? Well,
1: I think if you go through a reflective process with somebody yeah. uh, and ask them questions like, what do you experience on the other side of change? <laughs> it's rarely bad, right? There's usually yeah. some sort of growth, even if it's a tough change, even if it's a change that was thrust upon that person and they did not want that in their life. Yeah. Like, um, case in point, I get I'll just keep using pers- personal stories because it's just easy for me to reflect on myself. <laughs> but clearly, this is how I live. <laughs> Self reflection. But um, case in point, you know, in 2018, my husband uh, got sick. So he got a virus that got into his spinal cord and into his brainstem and affected his life profoundly. He was never able to return to work. He was, you know, um, our life has completely changed because of it. Now, did I want this change? (laughs) No. (laughs) Hell no, right? Like I didn't want any part of this. Um, And I resisted it for a long time. I was quite angry about it. Now, you know, almost six years later, I look back on it and I say, okay, would I have done it differently? For sure. I would not have this happen to him, but the transformation that has come into my life, who I have become because of these experiences mm-hmm. has profoundly changed my life and has profoundly changed his. Yeah. And so, you know, we maybe have to go through some of this before we can really reflect on it. But I think even as coaches, we can share some of these experiences and help people see that, it's not always going to look the way we want it to look. <laughs> right. We have a vision. Yeah. Um, it doesn't always turn out that way. Um, but often there's something greater out there for us if we're just willing to be open to what we're here to do. Right. Yeah. I don't know if that answered your question fully, but
0: No, it's true. It actually leads into the segue of my next question because people on the show know that I've been faced with a health challenge this. Past year and a half. And, it, and it's been a kind of a crazy ride. And in March, I had an episode where my girlfriends did a takeover of the show. And we talked about the condition that I'm going through. And, you know, did, did I think that something like that would ever happen? No. Has it impacted my life significantly? Yes. Have I fought it tooth and nail? Many times over. <laughs> and have I learned a lot? Is there a gift in this? 100%. Some of it I'm still learning. Some of it I'm still resisting. Some of it I'm learning to embrace, and patience was one of them. And it's not, not an easy one. I have to remind myself that patience is a form of respect. And uh, yeah, it was an inter- it's an interesting journey. But nonetheless, what it really makes me come to the question is the importance of success and wellness being integrated as a leader. And, you know, prior to this happening to me, I still was, you know, I think COVID threw me back (laughs) a little bit, but I was, I'm very active like you doing hiking and biking and triathlons and things like that. Um, The only one I was, was resisting, which ended up being one of the best things that served me this past year and a half was yoga. So mm-hmm. it took me 12 weeks to enjoy that. And we talk about that on the show, too. So but I know you do a lot of yoga. So I would love for you to talk about and it's not that we're preaching to the choir, we like to say, Hey, you know, if you want to be successful, health is your wealth, we don't want to come from that place. We want to just talk to you about how it can make each day more powerful. And Ali's going to share a little bit more about that and how it it's important to integrate you're not separate that success is not separate from your health
1: totally and I think when we can start to recognize that and realize that everything changes right like I already kind of alluded to I think we're this is my like belief but I think we're all born here put on this earth for something but I don't think we will ever see our full self-actualization of that if we don't know how to number one lead ourselves so have that self-reflection be passionate about growth and development but also number two understand the power in taking care of ourselves because Mm -hmm. when we don't take care of ourselves we just drain our battery more and more and more and over time and then one day we wake up we're burnt out we're sick something has happened Mm -hmm. um and so you know i the things i talk about really are from my own experiences you know like um you say preaching, (laughs) preaching to the choir. I mean, for me, it's like, this is what I have actually experienced. And so in sharing my experience, I hope that it holds space for other women or other leaders Mm -hmm. to hear, right. And to maybe not have to go through um, the things that I went through. And so when my husband um, got sick in 2018, I went into hardcore caregiver mode, right. So uh you know we were supposed to be going to Tokyo for 2 weeks and we came home and uh within you know 4 or 5 days and then i spent 2 months taking care of him before i went back to work and recognized that the organization needed me back he wasn't coming back and yet i had barely taken a breath in that 2 months and when i went back to work i had a complete breakdown like i had a complete break and it's like i was so embarrassed about it at the time i didn't want to talk about it i like had this complete emotional breakdown going into run one of the senior level leadership team meetings. And I just couldn't do it. Uh, and it was like awful. And I felt like a, gonna use, a loser. I felt like a loser. I was like, who, why, like, why can't I do this? Right. I've been doing this forever. And like, I get it, things are going on, but I should be able to, and I had this mentality where I was like, Ali, you have to push through this. And, um, I remember talking to one of my team members that day and I was in the car and I was like literally losing my mind, (laughs) just all the emotions coming out. Right. And he kind of sat there and listened to me for a bit. And then he kind of put his, his hand on my arm. And I just said, I don't think I can do it. And he looked at me and he said, that's okay. And I was like, what do you mean? It's okay. It's not okay. Like I have to do all this. Right. And I hadn't stopped and thought for one moment that it might be okay, that I wasn't okay or that I needed some help and that was like a pivotal point in my career and in the way I looked at leadership and life and you know all of it and started to really recognize how integrated it all was we often want to put things in buckets or create silos and be like my work is over here and life is over here and that's all fine and dandy until something's not working somewhere and all of these pieces touch each other right and so um that set me on a really big journey of learning what wellness looked like for myself as a woman what wellness looked like as a leader and then how to integrate that integrate those two pieces together and there's no way I would be where I am today if I hadn't started on that journey so i think it's super important to highlight those stories right yeah.
0: and you know one of the things i'm i'm you've already, you know, moved ahead of that, where I'm kind of still sitting in the middle of that journey. And you know what I I recognize familiar in the story. And I know that there's people listening to this right now, that they're like, Oh, I can catch myself, I'm either in it, or I'm going into it. (laughs) Or I just left it to recognize how many times as women, even men listening to, you know, depending on how you grew up, or the experiences that you've had in organizations or within your family or friends that you push through because you feel you have to. And it's not okay to be not okay. And, you know, we just suck it up, put a smile on your face and move forward. When this first happened, (laughs) that's exactly what I did. That's exactly what I did. I went into what I know best that narrow pathway of this is what I know, you put a smile on your face, don't make it look as bad as it is, and you move forward. What I learned is, it was better to just be vulnerable, and let people know that I was not doing okay. And that I was having some really strong growing edges that I was climbing this big mountain, that I needed support, and asking for help, or just giving your time giving yourself time when one of the things when I was embracing that yoga process was, you know, it was restorative yoga and the instructor said, give yourself the permission to do nothing. And that was something that I, I laid there on the bolster and I was like, what, what is that? What do you mean do nothing? I, I never knew how not to do nothing, not to do anything, but you are doing something. And that's what one of the things that I want to just get jump over to you, Ali, for you to talk a little bit more about that permission to do nothing and what that looks like when you are working with people, because I know you do meditation, you do the yoga as well.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I'll just acknowledge that we're both high performing women. (laughs) So it's like, what? Slow down? Are you crazy? do nothing totally totally. i really it's not like i just do it i really have to get conscious about it because i like my wall is covered and i've got things going right there's things going on everywhere around me so i totally resonate uh with that and um, my sister is actually a yoga teacher so i often go to her monday night class because she does a restorative and she's always like just give yourself this space and my eyes are rolling you know
0: (laughs) <laughs> or our, our kindred yeah. spirits, then I used to look at the door to bolt at any moment, like, I, because it's about slowing your mind down to match your body. But if even in coaching, when we're having conversations with individuals, what we're doing is we're slowing down the conversation for you to catch your own thinking, yeah. you know, because we're in that pace of needing to make decisions and move forward. And it's often the higher achievers are the ones that need to be slowing down.
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. And you know what? We achieve more when we do slow down. So that's what I do want to say about that. Even though it, this is my growth edge and my resistance all the time. And this is why I became a meditation teacher because yeah. I was like, I need to know how this stuff works. Yeah, <laughs> That's the kind of person I am too. I'm like, I don't really like, and then I started doing, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is crazy what it can do for your mind. And so the biggest thing, um, I think out of like all of this kind of slowing down um maybe i'll get a little bit technical about it because again it just bring a little bit more awareness to it it's it's the soothing of our nervous systems Mm -hmm. so we live in a society where we are full throttle all the time there is always stimulation there is always things coming in i actually just don't think we were meant to live like that we think we were But I think that our biology is like, whoa, what is going on? And so we just get so revved up. And so if we can start to find those moments of of peace, of quiet, of slowing down, uh, of of yoga, (laughs) whatever it is, um, that we then start to connect with our higher knowing, our our internal um, genius, if you will, um, you know, that piece inside of us that just knows it knows what's best for us. But it's really hard to listen to that in the chaos of the everyday. And so, if you want to be more successful, if you want to up level your career in your life, if you're there, are big things, goals that you want to achieve, even small goals stopping and taking that space will help you understand what's right for you because you don't need to do what's right for everybody else <laughs> you should be doing what's best for you and only you truly know those answers those answers are within you but we can only hear them if we slow down and like tune out some of that noise to listen in and so that's the power i find in slowing
0: down you know and it makes me think of having that notepad by your bedside because i don't know when when, when people are like th- inner knowing true knowing what, what are you talking about have you ever woken up from sleep or first thing in the morning it's like oh my gosh I got this brilliant idea you jot it down and you know you get to it when you get up in the morning and you're like this idea transforms into this groundbreaking thing for you and I don't know if, if you haven't had that happen I hope you do because it's it's pretty profound when you just open your eyes and you're like oh I should do this and it's suddenly the solution you've been looking for so um, I always recommend that people keep a pad and paper by their bedside
1: for sure it actually happens to me all the time this is I'm like <laughs> we are total kindred spirits okay <laughs> so I started putting a notepad beside my bed about a decade ago because I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I'd be like oh my gosh I have all these crazy ideas and then I get mad about it because I was like I'm sleeping right now go away brain <laughs> Yeah, and then I would go back to bed, and I'd wake up in the morning, and I'd be like, "What was that?" Right? Um, and was wasn't able to fully rearticulate it. So I started to pay attention to what was happening. I was like, "Okay, well, why is my brain waking me up? What's going on?" And so something happens, it, especially for creative people in that that sleep. Um, I'll share a kind of fun one with you that I had recently. Um, so I, I call them my downloads. So I woke up in the middle of the night, um, early October. And I had been having a dream about a conference, a women's conference. And I was like, it was like this big conference. It was like nothing you had ever seen before. Um, I can't like articulate what it looked like, but it felt amazing. Like the women were inspired. People were like connecting and there was just this like beautiful thing going on. And so I woke up and I was like, whoa, I want to go to this conference. (laughs) And so I started writing it all down. And then I went back to bed and I woke up in the morning and I looked at my notepad and I was like, is this my conference? (laughs) Am I supposed to put on this conference? And then I started like really thinking about it and I'm moving towards it now. So I have a full intention of putting on a women's conference in the fall of 2024 in Edmonton and doing something like nobody has ever done. Now, if I hadn't paid attention to that, it may have, well, it would have never happened it would have likely never came out of me and so it's going to provide opportunities for how many women uh you know what I mean to speak and to present and to also come and be educated and connect and like do all of these cool things um but if you're not paying attention you're not able to pull these things out and so it is connected to the slowing down too though right we do need to slow down to be able to connect to that so I'm super excited about it
0: (laughs) of course you should be of course you should be right You know, one of the things I want to acknowledge is, you know, when we have these moments that are presented to to us, and I, you know, when people say, you know, I didn't sleep last night, I've had during, you know, the past few months, that I wake up at three, and I'm wide awake. And then I'll be like, okay, there's obviously something on the brain, because that's why we, and, you know, and I'm not saying that there isn't any chemical thing. So don't hesitate to talk to your doctors, because this isn't medical advice. But what what I do learned have I learned on my own journey is that often you've had unprocessed things during the day or in the past few days that you haven't been able to, if you're not a journaler and you have everything looping in your mind of how you could have played a scenario differently, how this situation, you know, maybe I, that person could have done this or I could have done this, or you have a decision to make about something and you're not ready to make the decision because maybe you're missing some pieces. So to allow yourself to journal. I'm a big fan of journaling. I teach workshops on journaling to ensure that, you know, people sit and really dump out what's on their mind so that they can think clearly through the day and put their intention on the things that we want to talk about. The other thing Ali I wanted to, you know, you were talking about, you know, attention and intention and we're moving into 2024 and I would love for you to share you know, the importance, like not everybody lives from a place of intention. You know, I, I've come to recognize that people, some people wake up in the morning, and they just want to go with the flow. And wherever life leads them, that's where they they get to. And then they have sometimes periods of stagnancy. And I, you know, they don't know why it's not as exciting as they want their life to be. So One of the things I want, always want to share on the podcast is I want people to get excited about their lives, that we're going to help you get rich from the inside out. So Ali, take it away when it comes to intention and attention.
1: Yeah, I think that that's really important. And I wasn't good at that in my younger years. I was that person who just kind of like floated through. I'm sure I had some intention and then thus attention, but um, I'm way, way more Keep using the word intentional but intentional about it now um at the end of each year i always try to think about what my intention is for the next year and it's like an overarching theme um sometimes it's to be more mindful sometimes it's to build a business sometimes it's to connect with more people whatever right like it's whatever i'm feeling and i also um also want to say cuz sometimes people are like well i don't really know what my intention would be like why would i do that i just kind of get up like you said get up every day and i go and why would i create an intention that i don't even know if i'm going to like it in 3 months and i say it doesn't who cares if you don't like it in 3 months change it the point is to start to get intentional. The point is to wake up every day and say, I'm moving towards X because this is important to me. It's not important to anybody else. This is for me. Right. And so um, there's, I could probably unpack that for half an hour. So I'm going to stop there and let you chime in, but there's a, it's a really important piece in our going back to our self-actualization and bringing all of these pieces together. Cause it's kind of like a Kind of like a lighthouse, right? If we get intentional, it's like if we get off track, we're like, oh, yeah, no, this is where I wanted to go, right? This is where I wanted to be. And you can continue to kind of recalibrate along the path of life and get back on track when we get off track, because we're all going to naturally get off track from time to time. So,
0: you know, and that's where, you know, when we get off track, that adversity, you know, whether it be a health and wellness issue, whether it may be something financial, something in the business, um, you know, people being affected by, you know, employees in an organization, leaders, you know, becoming ill and new leadership, where we don't have that historical transition. So there's can be so many different factors impacting leadership. But one of the things that, you know, we're almost coming to the end of the interview, but... (laughs) you know, we could, we could talk to you for hours. We, you know, Ali, if you have a little bit of extra time, I might take you 10 minutes longer if it's okay yeah, <laughs> um, to really help people understand how they can navigate some adversity. Like, you know, we're coming out of the pandemic and I know you've probably have heard this so much, you know, but what we're doing is we rebuilding muscles that haven't been used in the same way. And we're developing new pathways to really step into who we want to be. So, you know, adversity can be crappy. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to say that, you know, but it's temporary. It's not something that's long lasting. And that's the great thing about any adversity. But it's also, you know, kind of the sad thing of the positive stuff, because we know it's temporary too. But our growing edges come through the adversity and we can learn how to have more of the happy more of the joy, more of the, you know, moving into where we want to be and have less of the negative, knowing that the negative has to be there for us to grow. Um, So when helping people move through adversity, what are some of the first steps that they need to do? I I usually say go back to the basics, you know, of self-care, but I would love to hear, you know, some of the other things that you recommend.
1: Yeah, I think my first recommendation is always self-compassion. It's always self-compassion. So whether the adversity is affecting you personally in your life or, you know, like what affected me, affected my husband, what's affecting you, right? It's, we have to be kind to ourselves because we can get really critical in our heads when things aren't going the way we want them to go. So practicing self-compassion every day saying to yourself, you got, I got this, you got this, it's going to be okay. Like you just said, Deb, change is temporary. This adversity is likely temporary. And even if it's not temporary, I will find a new version of me in it. And so I think that's an important thing uh, to remember. I always recommend that people slow down. So big adversity, looking back at what happened with my husband. Oh man, I wish I would have slowed down. I just crashed I hit a wall hard and if I could do that again there would be a few things I would change around that Um, it took me a long time to recover from the burnout I still suffer from you know like this caregiver fatigue and have to be really cautious about how I show up so that I can take care of myself and take care of my husband if he needs it right and then the third thing I think that is super important and is not always easy to do. So I'm going to honor that this might be a hard thing to do in adversity, but it's to practice gratitude. Mm
0: -mm.
1: It's very hard to be in a place of lack when you're grateful, right? It's very hard to be in a place of (laughs) unhappiness when you're grateful. Now to connect with those moments that you're grateful for in times of adversity, is that always easy? No. So again, I totally honor that. But if you have uh, the capacity or the ability to practice gratitude, it changes the neural pathways. It helps you move through that adversity in a different way with a different lens in which you see the world. And if we can do that, then we're more likely to navigate it a little quicker to find our way through, uh, to figure out what's next for us, whatever that might be, right? So those would kind of be like the three top three things I would probably say right off the hop
0: and gratitude is huge like to write it down to acknowledge it i know every thanksgiving my family is like oh she's going to ask that question you know i have like 20 25 people in my house and we go around what is one thing that you're grateful for because i will not start the meal until we do that yeah and some people have the same thing um And, and that's okay, because that's what they're grateful for in that moment. And it's usually family. So that's why I'm like, of course, let's love on each other. Mm -hmm. Right. And when I think about adversity, the first thing that I say, are you eating well? Mm -hmm. Are you sleeping? Because you're not going to function if you're not sleeping. And with burnout, especially, and caregiving, you're on the clock all the time. Mm -hmm hydrated, making sure that you are hydrating yourself? Are you moving your body, your body was meant to move, you know, so those are the kind of the basics that I start with when I when I talk about adversity with people, because I'm like, if those things aren't working, you're not working, right. And what I love is that you talked about self compassion. And, you know, because that's not the place that our self talk tends to go to in adversity. It's like, What's wrong with you? You should know how to do this, right? Versus being in a place of compassion saying, like you said, you got this. Mm -hmm. You just have to take one step at a time. You know, it might be focusing on two minutes or movement of, you know, one step, whatever it is, it all begins Mm -hmm. somewhere. I watched a video actually the other day of someone who gave herself a year to dance. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty cool to watch day one. They were doing, I think it's a hip hop or something. But by day 365, holy man, could that woman move? And I was just like, oh, that's a true testament yeah. to what is possible in one year. So for those of you listening, thinking about whether it be an adversity, whether it be a new challenge you're facing, we really want you to think about today is how are you going to show up one year from today? Listening to some of the wisdom that Ali has shared today about integrating some wellness, how to navigate some adversity, and really implementing some of the things you learn. This is the thing that I get caught up in because I said, you know, people read tons of books, but are they integrating what they're learning? So Allie, I would love for you, we're going to shift gears here right away, but I would love for you to share some final thoughts of what you want everybody to remember from our interview. And then I have our two final questions that I love to ask everybody.
1: Sounds good. Um, Yeah, so I think, uh, I mean, there's a lot that I could pull out of there. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to pinpoint anything that I think that they should remember, because if it resonated, it resonated. So what I'm going to say is, take a piece of paper right now and write it down. <laughs> if there was something we talked about today that you're like, oh my gosh, I love that Deb said there. I love that Ali said that, whatever, write that down because that can be your takeaway from this podcast. And then what I'm gonna say about that is that we don't have to make sweeping changes in our lives to see profound change. you just highlighted that with the video of the one year to dance. And so what I always say to my clients is it's 1% every day. Because the compound effect of 1% is not 365%. It's like, I don't even know the math. It's like 365 million billion percent, right? Yeah. It is incredible what can happen if we spend five minutes a day on something or you know, 30 seconds uh, connecting with uh, some mindfulness or giving ourselves some space or slowing down or whatever resonated for you today. Just like allow yourself that and give yourself permission mm-hmm to give yourself something that could profoundly change your life by the end of 2024.
0: And you know, with that, when, when you talked about self-compassion, I also want to talk about self-acceptance and, you know, you, you need to be able to recognize where you're at, that awareness of where you're at to really figure out where you want to go next. So when you're moving into 2024 with intention, I really would like to take the wisdom that Ali shared today and think about with intention, what would I like my life to be like one year from today? And like she said, take the things that resonate with you, because if it doesn't resonate with you, obviously, it's not going to spark you into motivation. And, you know, and you might listen to this episode a few times. Because each time you listen, you are going to pick up a different lesson that what we've talked about. And the same thing with books, you know, sometimes you need to read them one or two more times. I have one book, The Four Agreements. I think I read it every year because I always need to read the lessons and it's four basic lessons, but it's something that I pick up differently every time I read it.
1: I so love that you brought that book up.
0: Oh, thanks. Ali. speaking of books, what is one book that has transformed your life and how you do things? And Loaded I a question. I know, I know I had someone recently say, "Well it was the last book I read?" And I was like, "Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is profound, you know, because we can have impact from many books, but I know that there's certain books that really, Will be the first on the tip of the tongue that have made that impact. It will be where you had your shifts.
1: Yeah. So a really big shift for me. I like there's about four that are coming to my mind. So I'm just gonna share one. Oops. Sorry. A really big shift for me was when I read *Braving the Wilderness* by Brené Brown. In the very last page, and I'm not gonna quote it properly, so I apologize, Brené Brown. But something around the uh, the idea of having a strong back a soft front and a wild heart. Yes, And I just put the book down and I was like, oh my gosh,
0: that's it. That is it. Totally.
1: And yeah, I was so inspired by the stories in that book. I felt like I barely was able to put it down, which like, as I'm saying this, like maybe I should read that over Christmas because it was just so um, profound for me and so much landed. Um, There's this piece for me around honoring who I am. I mean, it's been a process for me in my life. I think it's a process for a lot of women. Um, really just owning our voice, honoring who we are, showing up as ourselves, not as who other people think we're supposed to be. And Brene just really nailed that for me. So I would say that was one that really impacted my life. Yeah.
0: You know, when I think about that, that honoring who you are, very profound statement, because I don't think, and, and I'm not going to capitalize on everyone or make a blanket statement from the people that I've encountered, or even myself, there's times that I for have got forgotten to honor myself and what I bring to the table. And I think that's why the lessons that we need to remind, you know, teach and also remind ourselves is that we're on a journey, just like everyone else listening or watching the show and that we are moving along and also need to honor ourselves and know you know what boundaries to set decisions to make you know all of this is part of leading self and how you're going to replicate it so you can lead others and teach them to do the same because you're leading by example my final question for you ali is what does it mean to you to live rich from the inside out
1: (laughs) i love this question it's Okay. So there's so much in here for me too, but I often think about success and people often have this um, definition of success and success for me is so much more internal than it is external. It's waking up every day and like being aligned. With the life that I think I should be living, right? And waking up and having moments of joy in each day and connection and relationships. And um, yeah, this being rich from the inside out is maybe more important than anything else in life. And so I just absolutely love and honor that you do this on the podcast (laughs) because we can get so connected or concerned with what's happening externally but at the end of the day like when we're sitting at the end of our lives I will say when we're 90 years old (laughs) and we're reflecting on it all we're not going to give a crap about the external stuff we're going to be reflecting on how we felt each day inside and so um yeah there's such an important piece for that for me every day that I try to reflect on yeah
0: Thank you for sharing that. I also want you to share with everyone how they can be connected with Inspired Leader yourself. And uh, yeah, go ahead and share. And I'll also have it in the show notes, everyone who's listening, that it will be in the show notes. And you can also find it on my website as well as YouTube. But Ali, take it away.
1: Sure. Yeah. I think the best way to connect with me is probably on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on Instagram too. You can just search Allie Stone. i like to share little tips and tidbits on there. Um, Yeah. And I have www.theinspiredleader.com. So thank you.
0: And she has great reels and, you know, she's very creative. So tap into some of those creative juices. And Allie, I want to thank you for coming on the show. It's been such a pleasure to have that kindred spirit, to have that, you know, cup of tea, cup of coffee with, to really just... Help people move forward knowing that they are the leader and when they are in control of their own lives, that they can, the magic, that's where the magic key is, right? When they can take control and say, yeah, I'm in charge of me.
1: So beautiful. I love it.
0: Thank you everyone for joining us here on the Millionaire Woman Show. As always, you can pop over to my website, you can get your Reset Your Mindset PDF report where it's whenever you feel off track, I always say take that and have it I have a nutrition one like that, that whenever I feel kind of off track that you can tap into that resource whenever you need to get you back on the lane, so that you can make better choices align with your values and really move forward in life with intention. As Mohammed Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. And as always, go out and make today.